Hey, Dice Goblins! What? Where are the goblins? Everywhere. They're listening to us right now. They're in our ears. Don't take my wax. Please. It's so precious to me to have the wax. Okay, wax goblin, dice goblins, whatever you need. You guys can visit thetabletopgameshop.com and use the code TANGENT to get 10% off your purchase for all the tabletop RPG games that you need. Oh, I love dice. Give me some of that. Changing from wax goblin to dice goblin? I, I'm both. I, I, I'm i a, I'm a goblin of many stripes. Okay. Any goblin of many stripes? You can, you can be a cup goblin, get some cool cups on that website. Again, that's code TANGENT, T-A-N-G-E-N-T, to get 10% off your purchase. Well, <laughs> sounds good. Let's take a drive down. Let's take a drive down Tangent Avenue. Where? Nor of good, nor ill, what aim hath act. Without its climax, death, what savor hath. Life, an impeccable machine exact. He paces in a nane and pointless path. To glut brute appetites, his soul content, how tedious were he fit to comprehend. Himself, more, this our noble element, of fire and nature, love and spirit, unkenned. Life hath no spring, no axle, and no end. His body, a bloody ruby radiant with noble passion. Sun-souled Lucifer, swept through the dawn colossal, swift aslant. On Eden's imbecile perimeter, he blessed a non-entity with every curse. And spiced with sorrow the dull soul of sense, breathed life into the sterile universe with love and knowledge drove out innocence. The key of joy is disobedience. That was A Hymn to Lucifer by Alistair Crowley, Big Papa 666, the wickedest man in the world. Today, we're going to explore how an evangelical Christian little boy grew up to be known as the Great Beast, even by his own mother. Welcome to Tangent Avenue. How an evangelical little boy became Big Papa 666, yeah. even to his own mother. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you know about Crowley, Bryson? Uh, I know he did some shit with L. Ron Hubbard. Uh, well, not really directly with L. Ron Hubbard, but I know he has some connections to a follower or friend of L. Ron Hubbard. Anything else? I know he's named Big Papa 666 by his mom. <laughs> and he writes <laughs> badass poetry. You know what else I know about Aleister Crowley? What? We didn't do our intro. Hey, I'm Bryson, and this is Tangent Avenue. In this show, we bring a new topic every week, spanning the incredibly broad to the incredibly niche, and we tell each other all about it. Wait, hold on. <laughs> I, um, I have an idea for a new intro. Okay. Okay, can we try this out? Can we keep this in? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. All right, okay, all right. Okay. Okay. Hello, and welcome to Tangent Avenue. I already don't like it. A sexual road that we drive down every Wednesday where we so, try out sexual magic through butt stuff. Okay. So lots what's super sexual about stuff. this road? The road is just really bumpy. It makes your ass and your boobies jiggle. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, okay. Um, hey, I'm Bryson, and this is Tangent Avenue. <laughs> in this Tasman. show, we bring in. <laughs> hey, I hate that. Uh, I'm going to do the topic this week because you're in a weird space. Um, All right, that's fair. <laughs> yeah. All right. Anyway, tell me about this Crowley dude. And he's like, he's that dude from Supernatural, right? Yeah, kind of. Uh, and he's really cool. Yeah, we love him. We love a good, a good, good I big papa good... six six six. Oh, I wish they called him that. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. Unfortunately, just a nickname I gave him. But we love it nonetheless. So, Alistair Crowley was a poet, a cult leader, mountaineer, ceremonial magician, painter, and novelist. Born as Edward Alexander Crowley in Royal Lymington Spa, Warwickshire in England on October 12, 1875, to an Edward Crowley and Emily Bertha Bishop. Edward, the father, was an engineer, but had shares in in a family group. Whoa. Hey, quick question. Um, yeah. Why is it that you can say Warwickshire flawlessly, but you can't say QAnon? That's a good po- good question. Good, yeah, I thought so. Good, yeah. Um, Might be something you want to think about. <laughs> so yeah, Edward's father, uh, also named Edward, was an engineer, but had shares in a family brewery. Uh, Crowley's Alton Ales is what it was called, which allowed him to retire before Crowley was even born. Due to the time period, I don't think his mom worked, and I can't find any work history for her, so... Eh. You couldn't find her CV, or...? No, no. Oh, okay. Eh. Both of his parents were devoted in their own way as evangelical Christians, or evangelical, um, but... No, no, they just loved uh, a guy named Evan. Yeah, yeah, It had yeah. nothing to do with Jesus or Evan anything. Peters, it was man. Uh, a, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they loved him in all of those X-Men movies he was in. Yeah, yeah, um, so they... They were like subclasses of evangelical Christians. They had different names, but uh, yeah, it's weird. It gets a little muddy, but I'm just going to call them evangelical Christians because that's what they were. Um, But his father was more so. Working as a traveling preacher during Crowley's early life, he would also read a chapter from the Bible every single day after breakfast, which is awful. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty rough. Yeah. Edward and Emily would go on to give birth to a baby girl who I believe was born in 1880 and also died in 1880 when Crowley was just five years old. In 1881, the family would move to Red Hill, Surrey, also in England. When Crowley was eight, he was sent to H.T. Habersham's Evangelical Boarding School in Hastings. Unrelated. Wow, take a shot every time you hear evangelical. Uh, I hate that Hastings closed down. I miss it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I also hate man. I hate that the town of Hastings shut down. Yeah. It was such a cool town. That was the best town. I, I've always wanted to visit Europe explicitly so I could go to Hastings. Yeah. Uh, man, I bet anyways. they got so many cool fucking lamps in that town. <laughs> uh, so he would go on to transfer to Ebor Preparatory School in Cambridge, uh, ran by Reverend Henry Darcy Champney. Uh, Crowley would then go on to describe the Reverend as a sadist. And Darcy Champney's pretty yeah. fucking sick. Yeah, yeah. We've got a lot of good names we come across in this podcast, man. <laughs> it's so good. That's going to be my favorite segment is when we just gush about how rad names are. I mean, Crowley itself yeah. is just fucking rad. Definitely. So yeah. in March of 1887, his father died from, uh, get this, tongue cancer. Whoa, eating too much pussy, my guy. I think that's throat cancer, actually. <laughs> Uh, 
Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> what? What? Do you have a problem with what I said? Uh, you know that's a thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's Good. from like a yeast infection, I believe. Yeah, I can't remember the musician who says they have tongue cancer because of eating too much pussy, but I know a musician did that. I absolutely believe it. I'm going to look it up real quick. All right. So Crowley loved and respected his father. Father, He described him as his hero and friend. This marked a big turning point in his life. Um, he inherited a third of his father's wealth and began misbehaving in school. Champney would go on to harshly punish Crowley for his behavior. His family pulled Crowley out of school when he was diagnosed with owl... Albuminuria? I don't think I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, I have which... two big updates on my uh... search for throat cancer. <laughs> okay. So, it's Michael Douglas. Alright. Uh, so it was an actor, not a musician. Okay. Um, and then I found a, an article from a website called Medium and says, Oral sex causes throat cancer? Are you fucking kidding me, God? <laughs> 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 that that, uh, that headline was written by Christine Stevens, and she's my favorite person right. now. So okay. that's that's all. Is, oh, and then there's a section in this called "Is it a civil rights violation?" Which is pretty sick. <laughs> is the cancer a civil rights violation or eating somebody out? The fact that eating somebody out causes throat cancer is a yeah. civil rights violation. I agree. Yeah. This should be a civil right for people. Can we just read this to... article? <laughs> God hates oral sex. <laughs> oh, don't worry, man. We'll be talking a lot about sex during this episode. Oh, hell yeah. Wait a br- great segue. I know I ruin it by saying great segue, but oh, <laughs> chef's kiss to that segue. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I don't think we need to read any more articles, because we'll be talking about plenty of butt stuff here. Um, so yeah, he was diagnosed with albinoria, uh, which is a sign of kidney disease. It means that you have too much albin- albumin in your urine. Um, still questioning if I say that right. Uh, Crowley would go on to attend Malvern College and Tonebridge School for only a few terms before he left those as well, as he decides despised them. Crowley had began to get extremely skeptical of Christianity, questioning inconsistent incon well. Huh. Uh, classic college student, honestly. Yeah. Uh, questioning inconsistencies in the Bible and pointing them out to his teachers and rebelling from what was expected from a Christian. He began smoking and masturbating, a big no no. He also began Hell having yeah. sex with my guy. Eventually contacting gonorrhea. Hell so, yeah. completely off topic, but did you know John Harvey Kellogg made Frosted Flakes to try to prevent masturbation? I sure did. Yeah. Do you want to know the marketing ter- marketing slogan? Uh, I do. Healthy, ready-to-eat, anti-masturbatory morning meal. Wow. Do you think they put those on billboards or... I fucking hope so. <laughs> <laughs> hey, kid can't be touching his dick if he's holding a spoon. That'd be what I would uh, advertise it as. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, he got gonorrhea. Where yeah. After he contracted gonorrhea, his mom became tired of his antics and was sent to, and he was sent to live with a tutor in Eastbourne, where he became interested in chemistry, chess, poetry, and mountaineering. In October of 1895, Edward Crowley officially changed his name to Alistair Crowley. This is a quote on his reasoning for the name change. For many years, I had loathed being called Alec, partly because of the unpleasant sound and sight of the word, partly because it was the name by which my mother called me. 
Edward did not seem to suit me, and the de- and the diminutives Ted nor Ned were even less appropriate. Alexander was too long, and Sandy suggested toe hair and freckles. I had read in some book or other that the most favorable name for becoming famous was one consisting of a dactyl followed by a spondy. As at the end of a hexameter, like Jeremy Taylor, Alistair Crowley fulfilled these conditions, and Alistair was the Gaelic form of Alexander. To adopt it was to satisfy my romantic ideals. Wow, he really put a lot of thought into that. He put a lot of... This... Dude, Edward Alistair Crowley is so fucking smart, man. It's scary. Yeah. Man, I I like his thought process, though. Yeah, yeah. It's... it's, There's no problems with it. Completely sound. Hey, is this guy going to be a bad person? Uh, he also began a three-year course at Trinity College in Cambridge, where he studied English literature. He was president of the chess club and fell in love with poetry there as well. He visited the Alps to climb every year from 1894 to 1898. In 1896, he had his first mystical experience while on holiday in December um, in Stockholm. Uh, So yeah, Big Papa 666 had his first gay sexual experience, which is what most biographers biographers assume is his described mystical experience. He had always been with women up until this point, mostly prostitutes, but this is when he started expressing his bisexuality, even though it was illegal at the time. Uh, He was sleeping around... And just to be clear, this is where all first gay experiences happen. It's in... Every first gay experience happens in Stockholm. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Anyway, you can go on, whatever. That's where we had our first gay experience. Yeah. We went to Stockholm for it, which was yeah. weirdly ostentatious. Yeah. 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 Anyway, tell me about this dude bumping uglies with another guy. Uh, yeah. Um, so he slept around a lot at Cambridge, mostly with prostitutes um, and females. Uh, and up until this point, um, and he contracted syphilis. Uh, so still in college, he's already contacted, uh, contracted syphilis and gonorrhea. Wow, so, I hope he does a triple threat. Like if HPV devil, pops man. up, yeah. here's open. So this sexual encounter with another man led him to realize he was bisexual and give him courage to start acting upon his feelings towards men. Crowley entered into his first relationship with another man in October of 1897 when he met Herbert Charles Pollitt, president of the Cambridge University Footlights Dramatic Club. They would eventually break up because Herbert didn't share Crowley's interest in Western esotericism. Crowley would openly admit that he deeply regretted this breakup for many years. So, yeah. It kind of rules to dump somebody just because they don't. Share, share an beliefs. interest in the in a, in a very specific line of study. Yeah, yeah. Like a subset of a subset of a topic. <laughs> That'd be like if I didn't like somebody just because they weren't as big a fan as the Echo Knight Fighter from Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Edition as much as I do, which is something I would do. Yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> yeah, it's a really good. It's a fun class. It is. Hey, here's an. We gotta get another pop tab in to the episode. I know you're keeping all of them in, so here's another good one. Oh yeah, <laughs> that sounded so much better with our new setup. I know, right? <laughs> it didn't echo off the walls. Yeah. <laughs> so 
1897, Crowley traveled to St. Petersburg in Russia as he was considering a diplomatic career, but this very quickly changed when Crowley became ill. It was a brief illness, but this caused him to consider mortality and the, and I quote, futility of the human endeavor, and he started to dabble in that dank-ass occultism. He forgot all about his diplomatic career and picked up the books The Book of Black Magic and Pacts by A.E. Waits and The Cloud Upon Sanctuary by Carl von... Uh, Eckhart Schajen in 1898. Hey, can Um, we get another pull of that last name again? Eckhart Schajen. Okay, cool. Yeah, and if you could put a little more, uh, like, some more uh, old-timey sailor into that, that'd be good, too. Eckhart Schajen. Opposite of old-timey sailor. Let's just continue on with the episode. All right. He also published several poems throughout the years. And throughout this year, sorry. Well, throughout right. the years as well. This but, year? Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. He's still, still releasing alive. shit in 2020? Yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and left Cambridge in July of 1898, despite not obtaining a degree. Uh, and now uh, we get into the secret societies. Um, in August of 1898, Crowley met a chemist by the name of Julian L. Baker in Zermatt, Switzerland. They discussed their interest in alchemy and went back to London, where Julian would introduce Crowley to his big brother and... Whoa. Whoa. Would introduce Whoa. Crowley to his brother-in-law. <laughs> Big brother-in-law. I don't even know where my brain wait, wait, wait. went. Yeah. So my sister just got married. Do I have to call him my big brother-in-law? <laughs> Please do. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Uh, George Cecil Jones. George was a member of the occult society, the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. By November, Crowley was inducted in by the occult's leader. The Golden Dawn system was based on a hierarchy and initiation. Man, I want to join a secret society. Let's start our own. All right, cool. (laughs) I mean, we just released that to a podcast, so it's not going to be that secret. Um, We're not starting a secret society, guys. Yeah, we're not. We decided not to. Yeah. Because oral sex causes throat cancer. Oh, it does it. Yes, it does. There's an article on Medium about it. <laughs> That's how Michael Douglas got it. Or so he says. I think he did. Probably, Have you yeah. seen Michael Douglas? He looks like a cartoon character. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the Golden Dawn system was based on hierarchy and initiation. The Golden Dawn was the first of three orders, although all, all three are often collectively referred to as the Golden Dawn. The First Order taught esoteric philosophy based on the Hermetic Kabbalah and personal development through study and awareness of the four classical elements as well as the basics of astrology, tarot divination, and geomancy. The Second or Inner Order, the uh, Rosé, Rubé, et Aure Crucis, <laughs> I don't fucking know. I love uh, Latin shit. I, I bet that's yeah. going to pull up a lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, taught magic, including scrying, astral travel, and alchemy. The third order was uh, the secret chiefs, <laughs> who was said to be oh. highly skilled. I love how it's we a secret, go from it's a secret football ge- team. Yeah, I love how we go from the Rose <laughs> Roubaix et Ara Corsis to secret chiefs. Hell yeah! I hope it's weirdly racist against Native Americans. <laughs> that's a weird hope. <laughs> I know. I'm a uh, weird guy. Yeah, that's fair. So. Uh, They were said to be highly skilled, and they supposedly directed the activities of the lower two orders by spirit communication with the chiefs of the second order. Crowley, of course, was inducted into the first outer order. 
Crowley moved into his own apartment, and eventually a fellow member of the Golden Dawn would bunk with him. Alan Bennett, a senior member of the occult, would go on to teach Crowley more about ceremonial magic and the ritual use of drugs. They did this until Bennett moved to South Asia to study Buddhism. In November of 1899, Crowley purchased a home called the Bullskin House in the foyer in foyers on the shore of Loch Ness in Scotland. Oh, dope. Yeah. I'm I'm very curious too if Crowley ever like tried to find the Loch Ness monster. You'd think so. I mean, I can't imagine why else he would purchase a house right on the coast of the Loch Ness. Yeah. Well, it says that it would It's said that Crowley really loved Ireland. Um and that he it was one of his favorite places he ever stayed in or visited or anything. Um, and he would wear, like, Irish robes and everything. Like, Irish... Um, ooh, I don't know the word I'm looking for. Uh, I didn't Kilts. write this in my notes. Yeah, uh, just, just stuff that they... Typical Irish would wear in this time. Uh, even when he came back to visit in London and stuff like that. So, he just loved I the culture. I believe the Loch Ness is in Scotland, isn't it? it? It is Scotland. Sorry, that's what I meant. Yeah, because the Irish don't wear kilts either. Yeah. Eh. We Taz got is there dumb. eventually. <laughs> Idiot. You agreed with me up till the last point. <laughs> no, if you read back to my recording, I will have said, isn't the Loch Ness in Scotland? I think your audio cut out a bit. Oh, okay. That's fair. All yeah. right. So... Crowley was soon ready to move up in the Golden Dawn, but they refused to move him into the second circle due to his bisexuality and libertine lifestyle. He would go on to be... Oh, sorry. He would go to one of the founding members of the Golden Dawn, and he personally inducted him into the second circle, which was a highly, highly, highly disliked decision. Um, Crowley had a mistress at this time, Elaine Simpson, and the founding member began a feud with the London branch of the order, all three of them. Uh, they tried to seize one of the lodgings from them and was refused by the court, leading them to be isolated from the rest of the cult. Uh, he was very active over the next few years, in and out of relationships and affairs, traveling to Mexico, India, and Paris, climbing mountains and writing poems and stories further studying and experimenting with ceremonial magic, contracting malaria, influenza, snow blindness while climbing a mountain, and eventually getting married in 1903. This guy kicks so much ass. He really does, man. He's fucking... It's... And here we are recording a podcast. <laughs> we suck. <laughs> yeah. We record a podcast explicitly that that explicitly talks about people and concepts better than ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Hell yeah. Yeah. So this marriage wasn't a like marriage of love at first, but a marriage to one of his friend's sisters out of convenience to prevent her from entering an arranged marriage. The friend was Gerald Kelly and his wife was Rose Edith Kelly. This would damage Crowley's friendship with Gerald and didn't sit well with the rest of the Kelly family, but the two fell in love eventually. Or they both claimed to, at least. Well, that's nice of him. Yeah. So Did I tell you I almost uh, married a friend of mine so that way she could go to college on her uh, own, uh, on her own uh, income rather than her parents? <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> she listens to the podcast. So. Wild. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Shout out to Bryson's almost wife. Yeah, shout out to my almost wife, which is what I will be referring to her as. <laughs> so, uh, 
you ready for shit to start getting wild? Dude, it's already wild. He well, contracted two venereal not, diseases man. throughout college. It's like, not wild yet. <laughs> All right, hit me with that wild shit. While on a honeymoon in February 1904, the pair went to Cairo, Egypt. Uh, they had claimed to be a prince and princess to rent an apartment, which Crowley set up a temple in. He began attempting to call on Egyptian deities. Crowley would go on to claim that during the process, Rose had told him that they are waiting for you. She would explain eventually that they is the god Horus, and on March 20th of 1904, told him the equinox of the gods has come. She then led him to a nearby museum where she showed him a 7th century stone slab known as the Stele of Ankh F. N. Khonsu. The exhibit's number was 666. Crowley would go on to refer to the steel as the steel of revering. On April 8th, he apparently heard a disembodied voice that claimed to be Iwas, the messenger of Horus, which he claimed to write down word for word what the voice told him. Uh, he called this Liberal Vel Legis, or the Book of the Law. The book claimed that, he, that humanity was entering a new eon and that Crowley would be its prophet. The moral code of this book was, Do what thou shalt. Well, do what thou wilt shall be the whole law, and if you should follow this, you will find your will. This book and philosophy became the cornerstone of Crowley's new religion, the Lima. Crowley was unsure what to do with the book at the time, and he highly resented it at most times. He would ignore the instructions, which told him to steal the steel of revering from the museum, fortify his own island, and translate the book into all known languages. Instead, he sent typescripts to several cultists he knew and put the manuscripts away and ignored it. Well, how nice of him to refrain from stealing an idol from an Egyptian museum. Yeah, yeah. Cool move on his part. Yeah. I'm also glad he didn't fortify his own island. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. That would have been more All right. fun. Yeah, I guess. If he had gone to war with several small countries. Yeah. I, I fucking... I'd, I'd be down. So... In 1905, Crowley came to believe Mathers, the Golden Dawn leader that inducted him into the Order, was using magic, magic against them. Without purchasing his biography, I can't seem to find out why he thought this, but the relationship between the two broke down. On July 28th, 1905, Rose and Crowley introduced... Let it be known that Taz wasn't willing to buy his biography yeah, for no, this podcast. I was not. Sorry, guys. Yeah. Um, hey, if you, if you guys leave enough five-star reviews and tell enough of your friends to listen to this... We'll, we'll be able to afford more stuff, so. That's very true. Very, very true. Rate five stars. And listen. <laughs> On July 28th, 1905, Rose and Crowley introduced their first child in the world. Again, he was pretty busy over the next few years, attempting to climb Kanchinchanga, which was widely known as the most treacherous mountain to climb, uh, which he got several people killed during the expedi expedition. He established a publishing company and published several poem books, big game hunting, performing several rituals to attempt uh, to contact Iwas with Elaine Simpson, traveling to New York, Japan, and Canada before returning home in 1907. Upon his arrival, he learned some very unfortunate news. Lilith, his daughter, had contracted typhoid fever and passed away, which he blamed on he Rose's alcoholism. He right? wouldn't name his daughter Lilith. He would. My he gosh. did. He wouldn't did. His first son will be named to Adam, I know for a fucking fact. Well, we will find out. Although I, I find it very funny uh, that he uh, blamed Rose Rose's alcoholism uh, for the reason that Lilith died because, you know, Crowley was very regularly using drugs to perform magic rituals at this time. But uh, no, his wife drinking's the problem. Um, yeah, of course. 
Uh, I mean, yeah, sure, she was the one with the rose at the time, but come on, dude. Yeah. Anyways, I mean, I'm not, I'm not super sure. Like, obviously, he's not uh, <laughs> super present. <laughs> yeah, he's obviously not super present or there because uh, he's too busy being fucking rad as hell. Um, but like, <laughs> he also had a lot of venereal diseases. Yeah. That I feel like probably caused some issues. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, anyways, Crowley fell into a depression because, you know, his daughter died. Uh, his marriage in shambles and struggling with the loss, Crowley began to experience health issues and had to go undergo several surgeries. He had affairs with a couple of people and then his wife gave birth to his second daughter, Lola Zaza, in February of 1907. Wild. Can Lola just, Zaza. Yeah, I just, I want to just, just talk about that name for a second. Lola yeah. Zaza. Yeah, so like Lola, as in Lola Bunny, I, it's totally fair. Space Jam was influential to a lot of people, so like I get why I would want a name. Yeah, All right. still back then, like, whoa, Lola Bunny, am I right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Zaza, no fucking clue. <laughs> no, absolutely no goddamn clue. <laughs> That's batshit insane. Yeah, yeah. Lola Zaza. Or maybe it's Low Lazazaza. Because <laughs> that's uh, great. Lowe's uh, the store. And <laughs> Lozazaza fucking sick. So. Okay. All right. Uh, so, with his old mentor, George Cecil Jones, Crowley would perform the Amber Mellon ritual at the Ashdown Park Hotel in Coulson. Crowley claimed that when doing this, he attained Samada. Samadhi? Samadhi? Ah, oh, whatever. Or union with Godhead. When doing these rituals, he was on hash and would later claim the drug was an aid to mysticism. By this time, Crowley was beginning to struggle with financials. His inheritance was finally running out. Uh, he began to make money by taking in students to train them in the occult, one of which was a man named Victor Newborg, who Crowley had begun sleeping with. So, that's weird. Um, Hell yeah, sleep with yeah. your students more, guys. Come on. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, you know who else you can sleep with? Who? These ads. Oh. Hello, everyone. My name is Mike D. You are listening to the Son of a Witch podcast. Each week, I will be filling your ear holes with all sort. Filling your ear holes? Who the fuck wrote this? Well, I did. He asked me to get a copy for the promo, and I thought it'd be a bit funny. Well, it sounds kinda explicit. Oh, bollocks, mate. Your bloody show is mocked explicit, and you aren't exactly always safe for work, just saying. Shit. Alright then. My name's Mike D. This is the podcast where I'm apparently going to be filling your ear holes with all sorts of juicy goodness about witchy, paranormal, geeky, pagan, comic, pop culture awesomeness. I'm an empath, psychic, witch, actor, voice actor, podcast, host, business owner. Son of a bitch, did you really need to give my entire resume? Bloody hell, Mike, you can't be pleased, can you? fine uh we're gonna be diving into topics such as tarot divination spell work magical plants books i'm loving and more so thanks for listening son of a witch podcast and at son of a witch pod on instagram 
See, that wasn't so hard, was it? Hey man, are you interested in starting a podcast? Not really, we already have a podcast, what are you talking about? Oh shoot, you're right. Thanks to Anchor. Like the boat thing? Close, but no. Anchor is a great podcasting tool to get anybody started on making a podcast. But we already have a podcast. Yeah, but other people don't. <laughs> what a bunch of cowards and fools. They should all go download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. Absolutely. Anchor is an easy-to-use, free tool for all your podcasting needs, from recording to editing. It even has free background music you can use. Ah, free background music? Yeah, free background music. And it distributes your podcast for you. You don't have to go through all the hassle of posting your podcast to iTunes, Spotify, or any of that. <laughs> God knows we wouldn't be able to figure that shit out. Yeah, man, I didn't even try. Lazy prick. Well, when you're a dad and working 40 or more hours a week... Oh, Jan, tell me more about Anchor. Well, I was saying Anchor is the way to go. You can record and edit straight in your browser on the app. Uh, but will they pay in doubloons? No, they'll pay you through sponsorships and cash money. Cash money, you say? <laughs> Where can I find the Shangri-La of talking into a microphone for too long? You can go to anchor.fm or download the app to get started for free today. Uh, but for real, man, that had nothing to do with the boat thing. Uh, yeah. Hey everyone, I'm Anastasia. And I'm Lauren. We're the co-hosts of Wait to Panic, a paranormal and true crime podcast. We've been telling each other scary stories for years, and now we want to share them with you. Join us every Sunday for new episodes about murder, paranormal mayhem, and everything in between. You can find us on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any of your favorite listening places. Make good choices, and remember, wait to panic. Oh, what a good ad. I love fucking that ad. I know, man. Oh, so fucking tight. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Anyway, speaking of tight, tell me about that one kitty fucks ass. <laughs> Uh, I don't have any details about his ass. I apologize. All right. <laughs> Weird that that wasn't in your research, but I think we all knew that that question was coming up. So. All right. Um, yeah. So, how's the new place, man? I'm liking it. Yeah. Uh, some complete jackass fucked up my foam on the walls, but hey, other man, than that, that jackass is the only reason you have foam to put on your walls, too. I mean, not really. I could have bought it myself. <laughs> But you didn't. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. So I guess good point. Crush me. Uh, how's your bad kid? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my bad kid. He left he... so much trash on my floor. Did he? Yeah, he left his bottle here. You left one of his fucking toys here too. Oh, did I? Yes. Yeah. My bad. Which I will be using tonight. What are you using it for? Don't worry about it. <laughs> if I wanted to tell you, I would have included that. All right. All right. Um, bleaching it when I get it back. Got it? <laughs> <laughs> That's probably a good idea. Um, yeah. Yeah, he's sick, though. It's sad. Yeah. He'll be uh, a lot sicker if you don't bleach it. <laughs> uh, How was your Rona test? I mean, this is the second time that your nose has been absolutely fucked. Yeah, yeah it actually wasn't that bad this time because uh, they did the, like, quick test because your nose is loosened up a little more <laughs> yeah that too but uh yeah um it came back negative um i 
so did Zaids. We both got tested yesterday. Um, so mm. that's cool. Um, hey, cool that the president got it, and I hope it does permanent damage to him. <laughs> You're now on Speaking record of saying Verona. that. <laughs> yeah, I am. Yeah, and hey, uh, here's another thing you put me on record for. I hope it kills him. <laughs> oh, boy. And it's funny that he got it. And anyone who says differently is a dipshit. I agree. Yeah. Anyway, Alistair Crowley. <laughs> I saw I saw some Donald Trump news earlier that I wanted to talk about, but I already forgot it. Um. Oh yeah, how cool is it that uh, he is stalling stimulus talks until after the election? Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I know a lot of people were um, when Andrew Yang was still running. A lot of people were like, oh, he's just trying to buy votes, and Trump is literally holding votes hostage, which is pretty dope. Yeah, yeah, love it. Um, Did you see that he was directing uh, A.G. Barr to indict um, Joe Biden before the election? No, did not see that. Yeah, here's hoping that happens so we can confirm he's a fascist and anyone who says differently is actively a dipshit. Yeah. And by confirm he's a fascist, I mean everyone who's intelligent and knows what fascism is already knows he's a fascist. Mm -hmm. And then the other people who are pretending not to know don't. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Just want to make sure I'm making all of my statements as clear as possible. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, in October and November of 1907, Crowley claimed to have been contacted by AWOS again. Uh, and he would write two more texts, Liber 7 and Liber Cortis, since the uh, Serpente, yeah, which would end up as the holy books. It's a dead language. Who gives a fuck? Yeah. Crowley would write seven more books to end up in this holy text, as well as some horror short stories and autobiography, poems, and more occult bullshit by the end of the year. Uh, after finishing the holy text in November of 1907, Crowley and Jones decided to establish their own occult order, and it was called A... A uh, weird symbol with a bunch of dots that looks like a pyramid. A and a weird symbol with a bunch of dots that looks like a pyramid. Or Arcanum Arcanorum. Oh, that kicks ass. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, Arcanum Arcanorum. Oh, sounds like his third venereal disease. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah, uh, the group's headquarters were located in London and borrowed a lot from the Golden Dawn uh, with his own thalamic beliefs as a basis. In 1909, Crowley finally divorced his wife, claiming her alcoholism was a strain and his daughter would live with her until 1911, when Rose was institutionalized due to how bad her alcoholism truly did get. Between those two years, though, Crowley traveled a lot again, performing sex magic and many other rituals, including a blood sacrifice. When he arrived back in London from all of this, he found out the leader of the Golden Dawn was suing him due to publishing Golden Dawn Secrets in the Equinox, a biannual periodical for AA. The court, however, ruled in favor of Crowley, and he gained widespread fame for being a Satanist and practicing human sacrifices. Though how neither fucking kick-ass is it? How, how rad would it have been to have been that judge? who just saw like had to rule which of these magical weirdos was in contract like it's so fucking stupid fuck i i I wish i wish we had more court cases like this i know uh your honor he took my magic secrets and in this contract order order in the court (laughs) 
Did you take his his magical secrets? And you just see like Crowley kicking back on a chair, foot on the table, just being like, "Nah, mate, it wasn't me." <laughs> okay, order the the court rules in favor of Alistair Crowley. I love that he's fucking dying. <laughs> <laughs> Because that judge, he swallowed a squirrel. <laughs> like, only rational explanation for that. Uh, yeah, so the court did rule in favor of Crowley, and he gained fame for being a Satanist and practicing human sacrifices, though neither actually was the case. Uh, but you can bet your ass Big Papa 666 reveled in this and enjoyed every single fucking moment of it, man. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <sighs> Due to his uh, rising yeah. fame, many people were attracted to AA, and the occult gained many more members. Also, surprise, surprise, Crowley met another level. Whoa. Met another level. I'm having a stroke. <laughs> it was that voice you were doing earlier. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I think I just have to read in that voice. Hold on. Due to his rising fame. I can't do the voice anymore. Yeah, that sounded more like uh, Stewie Griffin swallowed a squirrel. <laughs> Due to his rising fame, many people were attracted to AA in the occult. Holy shit, Anchor just kicked us off. Anchor <laughs> kicked us off the platform. That's insane. I didn't even know they could do that. Uh, anyways, yeah, he met another lover, an Australian violinist by the name Leela Waddell. Anyways, Crowley wanted to appeal to as many people as he could and developed the Rites of Artemis, a public display of magic and symbolism featuring members of the AA personifying many, de- many different deities. Um, it was first performed at the AA headquarters, where Crowley gave the crowd fruit punch laced with peyote, a hallucinogen, to enhance the experience. How fucking dope is that? He drugged a whole fucking crowd. That kicks ass. Ah, I love it. He's such That's a That's right. Guy. You can tell you can tell everybody that Tangent Avenue completely supports drugging whole crowds of people through punch. <laughs> uh, it we was... are on record <laughs> saying that. We can't walk away from it. <laughs> Alright. Um the the play thing, whatever you want to call it, uh, was received fairly well by attendees in the press. In 1910, he would attempt something similar called The Rites of Eleusis, which wasn't received as well. The results were mixed, and one review would call Crowley one of the most blasphemous and cold-blooded villains of modern times. I nice. need a drink. Uh, yeah, fair enough. You heard drunk. someone slander our boy Crowley. I can't fucking handle it, man. Nobody slanders our boy Crowley! Alright, dude. You get it. In early 1912, Crowley published The Book of Lies, and a German occultist by the name Theodore Roos would go to Crowley and claim he had published secrets from his own occult order, the Order Templi Orientis, or OTO, for short. Crowley convinced him the similarities were a coincidence, and the two became friends. Theodore would then appoint Crowley as a head of the British branch, and he adopted the holy name Baphomet, and was proclaimed ex-degree supreme rex and sovereign grandmaster general of Ireland, Iona, and all the Britons. What a fucking title, man. Yeah, man, that's... Man, why can't we get cool titles like that? Who says we can't? Okay, what's your your cool title? Um... 
X Degree Supreme Taco Bell. Whoa, that kicks ass. What's yours? Um, Bryson. <laughs> you know what we call that in the business? Self-confidence. That's fair. You yeah. More than I, then. Yeah. I don't need to be X Degree Kiss My Ass Taco Bell or whatever you said. Yeah, yeah. So... Alistair Crowley has now ha- now has the name Alistair Baphomet and ex Supreme Rex and Sovereign Grandmaster General of Ireland, Iona, and all the Britons. I think he played a lot of Dungeons and Dragons, and Dungeons and Dragons wasn't out when he was alive. He also has the nickname The Beast. Bro, you're a beast. <laughs> I, his mom, his old mom, gave him that nickname because of how fucking whack of a child he was, man. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, he didn't seem real cool. <laughs> he was in the chess club. Y- yeah. Yeah. But still has slept with more people than most modern people, I'm pretty sure. Has he slept with more people than you? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. Um, Not me, though. No. 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 Yeah. Um, so, with Theodore's permission, Crowley would begin to change the, some change some of the rituals at the OTL, which were based off of a lot of Freemasonry. And he, instead, he incorporated Thelemite elements, which proved to be controvers- controversial within the group. Crowley was very fascinated with the group's use of sex magic and pretty much immediately devised a working that included anal. Hey, the man knows <laughs> what he likes. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Imagine needing to work anal into your fucking religion. Not even your religion. Your job. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, uh, imagine if I I'm just walked your... into work on Monday and like, ah, scrap that assembly line. We're, we're starting an anal line, guys. <laughs> like... <laughs> Hi, Alistair. Yeah, please sit down. Yeah, I'm looking at your resume. Um... Yeah, right under all this nonsense Baphomet the Beast thing, um, I'm I'm seeing the only other reference you have here is anal, and I'm wondering what that meant. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm 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 really good at it. I really like it. Uh, and... So you've already not gotten the job. I do have a question though. Um, <laughs> pitching or receiving? Both. All, all right, hey, you're hired. Hell I yeah! Lied. All right, <laughs> bend over, boss. <laughs> Uh, fired again. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, I'll bend over. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All right. Thank you. Uh, yeah. All right. Yeah. Anyways, in 1913. Uh, uh, uh. I'm sorry. I thought we were <laughs> continuing on. <laughs> we were not. <laughs> All right. That's, that's fair. <laughs> uh, in 1913, Crowley traveled to Moscow, Russia, um, <laughs> where he produced a play for six weeks. However, there are claims that this was cover and that he was sent by British intelligence to spy on Russian revolutionists. And we'll get into the spy claims a little bit more later. Oh, I'm so excited. I want this man to be a spy. I want him to be a wizard spy so much. You're in for a treat, buddy. If he could truly scry, though, would he even need to spy? (laughs) (laughs) Like, why go to Russia? (laughs) He can astral project, can he? I don't... <laughs> uh, 
1914, Crowley was pretty damn broke. He, re- he relied mostly on AA donations and payments made to OTO. He climbed the Swiss Alps during the time when World War I broke out and suffered from phlebitis, and, uh, which is an inflammation of the veins. Uh, after he recovered, he set sail to the good old U.S. of A. Arriving in New York City, he moved into a hotel and began working for Vanity Fair and doing freelance work for an astrologer by the name of Evangeline Adams. He continued... Evangeline. Evangeline? Yeah. What did I say? You said Evangeline. What the fuck? Yeah. I'm going to restart that. No. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) No. We're good. Go ahead. Arriving in New York City, he moved into a hotel and began working for Vanity Fair and doing freelance work for the astrologer. Evangeline! Oh, no, I got it wrong again. (laughs) Evangeline is the name of the astrologer. This is the best two minutes of this podcast we've ever had. Let's fucking cook through. We got this. Uh, He continued his occult workings and experimenting with sex magic through masturbation, female prostitutes, and male clients from a Turkish bathhouse. Bro. Yeah. What a hero. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck. Uh, We love. Not enough sex magic these days. Well, uh, depends on who you ask. I guess. But I wish I could jack off and be like, I'm doing a spell. You know, <laughs> you can you can do that. What's stopping I you? I guess I guess no. I guess myself. Well, you can't get in your own way, bud. That's true, man. Thank you so much. Yeah. I'm gonna go do a spell right now. All right, I believe in you. All right, I'll give you a few minutes. I'm uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> that was so fast. <laughs> yeah, I, I finished up my magic. <laughs> You're just already naked, already almost there before you ask. I've been You just had to ask permission to come. Yeah, Yeah, I need the permission in order to finish. Oh, no. Hey, I hate this show. (laughs) Hey, why do people listen to this? Honestly, it's a good question. Uh, yeah. So, while in New York, Crowley claimed to be of Irish descent, and that's why I was thinking Irish earlier. Anyways, uh, Irish descent and professed support for Germany in World War One against Britain. He became a part of the pro-Germany movement and was hired on to write for the Fatherland, a German propaganda paper. However, hey, um, what year was this again? Um, uh, eight, 1914? Okay. So, I believe. not close enough to Hitler for it to be really bad. <laughs> not We're getting there. Yes. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about Hitler, buddy. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I've, I've complimented this man so much. <laughs> fuck. Uh, while in New York, Crowley claimed to be of Irish descent and professed support. I already read all this. Uh, however, Crowley was a double agent, actually working for British intelligence at this time. He wrote hyperbolic articles in the fatherland and performed publicity stunts in an attempt to make Germans look crazy and ridiculous to Americans. Supposedly, he also encouraged Germans to destroy the Lusitana, Lusitana? Whatever. A ship. Uh, claiming this would make the U.S. stay out of the war, but actually hoping that this would make the U.S. fight on Britain's side. So he was a secret agent, man. I love wizard spies. (laughs) Fuck. (sighs) 
Yes. Yes. In 1916, Crowley took a magical retirement to a cabin by Lake Pasconini. Uh, Pasconi? Pas- I don't know. Uh, there's so many words. Just say Panganini. Like, Panganini. <laughs> it's the name of a philosopher. We're fine. Uh, uh, anyways, in New Hampshire. New Hampshire. Oh, wait, no. It was the New name Hampshire. of a violinist. I don't know. All right. Nah. Uh, this was owned by his uh, boss, uh, Evet Evangeline. <laughs> I don't know why. It's amazing that you've name. you've pronounced that incorrectly every all time. Three times, yeah, uh, it's so good. Evangeline. Yeah, you did it. I did hey. it. Yeah. Hey, uh, editing a, a round of applause. <laughs> we did it, buddy. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he uh, he did lots of drugs and performed several rituals after which he proclaimed himself Master Therion. In 1917, his mother passed away. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yes, I'm Wizard Supreme. Bye, Mom. <laughs> uh... Uh, yeah, yes. he 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 claimed. I hope he some, did that at the funeral. Yeah, he claimed a big um, a big like new new thing in his life, and then his mom died. Fucking cocked it, dude! Hell yeah! <laughs> he really can't get a break, man. <laughs> yeah. In nineteen eighteen, Crowley went on a magical retreat in the wilderness of Esopus Island on the Hudson River, where he painted thelemite slogans on the riversides and cliffs. And claimed he had visions of his past lives, where he was uh, G. Zuan, Pope Alexander the Sixth, Alessandro Caglistro, and Eliphas Levi. I don't. What do you know about those people? Because I don't know much. Oh, um, I know Eliphas Levi definitely. Um, his parents fucked up the placement of where the first name and last name went. Um, <laughs> Cagliistro had his own bistro. Um, <laughs> what was the first guy's name? Um, Jizuan. Jizuan. <laughs> that guy never fucking got over his name pun. Jeez, <laughs> when he's gonna be here? Um, uh. Anyway, so that's what I know, and I think that's all there is to know, frankly. I agree. In December of 1919, he moved back to London. Upon arrival, he found he was coming under attack by the tabloid John Bull, which labeled him as a as traitorous scum. His friends, who were aware of his espionage work, attempted to convince him to sue, but he refused. Crowley began to suffer from asthma, and a doctor prescribed him do 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 heroin for it. Which hell he, yeah! He I have asthma. Why don't I get heroin? <laughs> Uh, my doctor's a hack (laughs) (laughs) only real doctors describe heroin (laughs) truly honestly fuck um yeah anyways he obviously became addicted to it (laughs) yeah Uh, that's fair yeah in april of 1920 crowley began renting an old villa in sicily italy um, called the Villa of Santa Barbara and established this as the Abbey of Thelema, where he had hoped to gather a community of Thelemites. 
Heroin came to dominate his life at this point, and cocaine began to erode his navel cavities. Regardless of this, though, new followers of the Lima would still arrive at the Abbey on a regular basis, and Crowley would teach them. One of these followers was a film star, Jane Wolfe, and became Crowley's secretary for a minute. <sighs> I hate being Ah, scared. doing your Crowley impression, I see. <laughs> <coughs> How much alcohol are you drinking right now? None. Oh. Oh, I gotta change out my drinks then. <laughs> no, nah, I'm drinking coffee and uh, some body armor. You're drinking coffee at 7.45? Have I ever claimed to have my life together, Bryson? You have a son. <laughs> Does that mean anything? No, your son's kind of stupid, so... Whoa, dude. That's fair. What? <laughs> he's not even two. It's expected that he's stupid. <laughs> Assumed, even. In February of 1922, Crowley went to Paris on a vacation in an attempt to kick his heroin addiction um, unsuccessfully. Uh, in a married couple, Raoul Loveday and Betty May moved into the Abbey, and though Raoul was devoted to Crowley, Betty hated him. Raoul would eventually drink from a nearby polluted stream, giving him a liver infu- infection and resulting in his death um, in February of 1923. What a fast life he had. <laughs> he had a wife who aided him, he drank from a shitty stream, and fucking died. Yeah. Uh, Betty would return to London and tell the press act- uh, the activities that went on in the Abbey, claiming that she was made to drink blood of a sacrificed cat, and that they were required to uh, cut themselves with razor blades anytime they used the pronoun I? Yeah. Um... So that's a secret society you would have gotten into pretty well when you were 13. (laughs) Uh, John Bull would go on to claim Crowley was the wickedest man alive and a man we want to hang. Crowley considered this slanderous, but didn't have the money to sue. So John Bull continued their attacks and eventually the then-fascist government of Italy heard word of Crowley's actions and he was giving a deportation notice in April of 1923. Without him, the Abbey closed. So, kind of cool that he thought that the man's personal opinion, that he thought they wanted to hang him, was slanderous. Yeah. Like, I don't think insults are slander. Do you think if I called, like, I don't know, Tom Holland a real piece of shit, he, he could sue me for slander? Uh, these days, I don't think so. But it was more common back then. A real piss bag, if I called him a big old pag of piss. Why are you insulting my boy Tom? I don't know. Alright. Just seeing what'll do if, he, if he's if he's not ch- too chicken shit. <laughs> to come at me with all of his, all his fucking lawyers got. You hear me, Tom? Trying to have a legal battle with Tom Holland on a no, no. This is long time coming. This is long time coming. (laughs) This podcast distinctly and specifically says that Tom Holland is a big old piss baby with little knees. Half of this podcast says that. No, the entire podcast. No, Taz wrote this fucking script for me. And I'll say that on the record. <sighs> anyway, go on. I'm fucking heated right now, so I'm going to be quiet here for a quick second. All right, cool. Uh, as good. I sip this um, delicious, great value root beer. Enjoy that. 
So obviously without <sighs> without Crowley, the Abbey closed. Um, so mm. Crowley went to Tunis, Tunisia, uh, Tunisia, Tunisia. I've never Tunisia. heard of that country. Crowley went to, is it Tunisia then? Oh fuck, Tunisia. No, the the, the town is called Tun. It's spelled Tunisia, like T U N I S, and then the country is T U N I S I A. So the country is Tunisia. Yeah. What's the town? Mrs. Smart Guy. Uh, I don't know, Tunis, maybe? I don't know, Tuna Sandwich? Who gives a fuck? <laughs> Crowley Here, went to... Like, I'll Google it, I'll Google it, and I'm going to type really loud. Is Tunis a word? <laughs> <laughs> no, Tunis is not in the Scrabble Dictionary. <laughs> Crowley went to Tunis, Tunisia, where his health began to decline more. And he attempted to give up heroin unsuccessfully again. Crowley met with more Thalamites and employed a young boy, Muhammad bin Brahim, as his servant. Crowley went with him on a retreat where in Nefta they performed acts of sex magic together. Hell yeah. Love sex magic in Tunisia. That's the name of my next book. With a young boy. Alright, that's not great, but... Um, hey, take that off the record. Yeah. <laughs> All the stuff about Tom Holland remains, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Sarah Boy was a pedophile. Anyways, in January of 1924, Crowley underwent several nasal cavity operations uh, to, you know, try to fix his cocaine nose. Mm-hmm. You gotta fix a coke nose. Yeah. According to Crowley, Theodore Russ had named him leader of the OTO upon his death, though this was challenged by a leader of the German OTO. This caused for a split between the order, where many key, key figures supported both of them. In 1926, Crowley moved back to Paris and went through a string of lovers. Well, I mean, his whole life is a string of lovers, but regardless, he did a lot of mm-hmm. sex magic and was plagued with declining health due to his heroin and cocaine use. In December 1928, Crowley was deported from France, too. They disliked his reputation and feared he was a German spy. Due to, uh, due to this, he moved back to Britain again and married again in August 1929, a girl named uh, Nicaraguan Maria Teresa Sanchez, so she could come back to Britain with him. He then attempted to publish an autobiography, Crowley's Confessions, through Mandrake Press, though they went into liquidation before the entirety of his autobiography could be published. That fucking rules. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In 1930, our boy, uh, Big Papa 666, faked his own death, but reappeared three weeks later in Berlin at the opening of his art exhibit. Though few of his artworks sold, it was regarded favorably. In 1931, he found another new lover, Bertha Bush, where uh, this was this was a violent relationship on both sides, both physically assaulting each other. And then he had many affairs with men and women in the city, and in 1932, he befriended a communist by the name Gerald Hamilton, uh, who he then Hell yeah. With. Yeah. Comrade uh, fucking Hamilton. Hell Comrade yeah, Comrade Hamilton. Uh, so, Crowley met with many people on the far left at this time, but it's rumored that he was still working as a British spy, though unconfirmed. Makes sense. Yeah. Crowley moved back to London and began to sue many people for libel. Libel? Yeah. Okay. Crowley moved back to London and began to sue many people for libel, some of which he won. If we say it enough, it'll go away. Yeah. Some of which he won, some of which he lost. Uh, He lost too many and declared bankruptcy in 1935, though he did garner more fame during these lawsuits. Nice. He pulled a Trump. 
Yeah. Nice. Yep. Uh, Crowley would go on to develop a friendship with Deidre Patricia Doherty, uh, who offered to bear his child. The child was named Randall Gare, though Crowley uh, nicknamed him question mark Alistair Atterturk? Atterturk? Atterturk. <laughs> Atterturk. Atterturk. Uh, Randall- Atterturk. <laughs> Randall- oh, good boy. <laughs> Randall lived until 2002, where he died in a car crash at the age of 65. So that's, oh, that's suck shit, Randall. To me, yeah, suck shit, Ataturk. <laughs> Get fucking smashed. <laughs> we apologize to the family of Crowley. <laughs> <laughs> nah, nah. He was a Nazi pedophile, so I guess it works. Well, anyways, Crowley was intrigued by the rise of Nazis, Nazism. And was halfway convinced that he could convert Hitler to Thelema until the Nazis broke up the German branch of the OTO, which Crowley then labeled Hitler as a black magician. <laughs> Hitler's Stop. black magic. Hitler's black magic. Ah, oh, bro, Hitler fucking casting spells every night. Yeah. It's a callback to the jerk in it joke. <laughs> In case you were wondering. Uh, performing sex magic with his cousin. Powerful. Powerful. Uh, when World War II broke out, Crowley offered his services to the Naval Intelligence Division, but was declined. He was still associated with several figures in Britain's intelligence agency and claims to be behind the V for Victory sign first used by the BBC, though this isn't proven. In 1940, his asthma Imagine worsened. being the naval commander who, like, hey, we've got a guy here to see you, says he can offer you services. He's like, oh, do you know more about him? He's like, yeah, I guess he's, like, a wizard. <laughs> That's what he told us. I don't know. Do you want me to let him in? And, and then or fucking... can we all just can we all sit on the boat and laugh at him, at least? <laughs> and then Gandalf walks in. <laughs> yeah. Uh... He's got a big old staff. Yep. Ah. Uh... In 1940, his asthma worsened, and he went hard in the heroin again, as his British-supplied medicine was unavailable. The next few years were pretty uneventful. Crowley moved to Hastings and Sussex and took up boarding yeah, in Hastings. Nether- <laughs> uh, and took up boardings in Netherwood, where he would die on October. Oh, whoa. Where he would die on December 1st, 1947, from chronic bronchitis at the age of 72. Only about 12 people went to his funeral, where they read excerpts from his teachings, and the press labeled it as a black mass. His ashes were sent to the U.S. and was buried in his garden in New Hampshire. So, Crowley left quite a legacy behind when he passed. Uh, though controversial, you can not you cannot deny his influence on the world at the time. In 2002, Crowley was named the 73rd greatest Briton of all time. Um, Delima continued to grow and develop. In 1969, the OTO was reactivated in California. Crowley also influenced several Western esoteric traditions, including uh, becoming a prominent figure in modern pagan community. Um, Crowley also left a mark on pop culture. Several books were published with characters based off of him, such as The Devil Rides Out by Dennis Wheatley, and he was included on the cover art of the Beatles album uh, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. His motto, Do What Thou Will, was inscribed into the vinyl of Led Zeppelin's Led Zeppelin 3. Uh, Jimmy Page, co-founder of Led Zeppelin, bought Bolskin's uh, Crowley's house in 1971. Um, and 
they wrote uh, David Bowie who wrote songs with lyrics referring to him and Ozzy Osbourne straight up wrote a song called Mr. Crowley. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So in conclusion, uh, Big Papa Six 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 was a wild fucking dude. Literally, and this is excusing pedophilia, which I'm generally not okay with, but <laughs> one of the coolest dudes until he fucked kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Such a shame. What a blight on his genuinely badass reputation. Isn't it, though? Fuck. Yeah, that's really disappointing. Yeah. Now he's a sack of piss, yeah. like Tom Holland. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, why do you hate Tom Holland? He knows what he did. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to talk about it on the podcast because then we will get sued. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's your thoughts on Mr. Crowley? I mean, what a fucking hero, except for the pedophilia. <laughs> but like, like, ah, uh, what a. It's so fucking rad to, like, I don't know, I'm at a loss for words at, like, how fucking nuts his life is. It's it's really fucking nuts, man. Yeah. It's it's so good. Crowley Crowley did a lot. Like, he he fucking mountaineer, fucking chemist, occultist, uh, author, a fucking... Badass poet. Uh, poet, yeah. Fuck, oh, there's so much. Like, you have to be pretty fucking nuts for, like... And a spy! Yeah, and a wizard spy, nonetheless. <laughs> the best kind of spy. Yeah, name a better spy. You can't. Trick yeah. question. You can't. Trick question. No Mr. Crowley was Whoa. the best spy! Is that the... Is that the uh, Ozzy Osbourne song? Hold on. Let me look up that song real quick. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, while you're doing that, I'll, I'll let you guys know my stinger for next week's episode. Um, uh, basically, the only other cult leader I can think of who had a crazier fucking life. <laughs> so I'm just going to read um, uh, just a couple lines in, in, in this song. Uh, Mr. Crowley, what they done in your head? Oh, Mr. Crowley, did you talk with the dead? Your lifestyle to me seems so tragic with the thrill of it all. You fooled all the people with magic. Yeah, you waited on Satan's call, which which isn't true. He waited on Iwas's call. Uh, yeah, like um, Horace. Don't don't it, don't miss treat him yeah 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 uh mr charming did you think you appear mr alarming in nocturnal report uncovering things that were sacred manifest on this earth uh, all conceived in the eye of a secret and they scattered the afterbirth um i'm gonna stop reading there so we can't get sued but (laughs) yeah that's fair (laughs) but yeah um yeah Honestly, I'm down to to sue Ozzy Osbourne for saying that he was waiting on Satan and not Iowa. Yeah, sue him for libel. Yeah. <laughs> and then we'll I'll sue give on him behalf of. <laughs> we'll yeah. sue on behalf of Mr. Crowley. Yeah. Mr. Crowley. All right. Uh, yeah. Um, so anything else you want to talk about before we get into conclusions? Um, what a fucking ear! I'll say this right. His um, saying, do what thou wilt, uh, kind of rad. Yeah. 
Yeah, good motto. We should be Thalamites, man. Yeah, I agree. Let's, uh, hey, come on over. We'll do some sex magic. Um, have a good time. Don't invite Maddie. She's not invited. That's fair. All right. Uh, no one wants her nonsense. Um, yeah, let's do some sex magic and boost our yep. views, our listens, yeah. I guess. We can bring Aaron in on it. She can put it on her OnlyFans. Uh, <laughs> good shout out to her. She'll love oh, it. Oh, yeah. Hey, guys, follow Aaronies. Uh, spelled E R I N Y E S. Uh, anyways, uh, so yeah, uh, let's read some reviews, man. Yeah, man, totally. Um, so the first review you I'm going to go you ahead can read and read. the one for you. Huh? Uh, no, that one's dumb. It's from you. And I don't <laughs> that. Uh, I'm going to read a review from bro 190, um, and, uh, titled, uh, fun E. Uh, this made my night listening to these weirdos. I would give them a listen. It's totally worth it. Thank you so much, bruh190. We thank you. Yeah. Um, so I'll read one from The Hobo on the Block. Uh, killing it. Already excited for this. It's going to be great. Thank you, thank awesome. you, thank you, Mr. Hobo on the Block. Thank right. you, Hobo. Let us you know if you need any miss. spare change. You be, you're, whatever you want to be. I'm sorry. Yeah. I should not assume your gender. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we've got a uh, review from Homesick Entertainment. The lovely people who provided us our uh, theme songs. They're saying, uh, really funny preview episode. Excited to hear where this road, ta- uh, road trip takes you guys. Uh, thank you very much. And thank you again for all of the great music. Yep. And we'll read some more on the next uh, episode. Um, yeah. Remember, guys, to leave five-star reviews. Uh, we'll read them out at the end of every episode. Uh, and uh, make them real funny, and we'll say dumb stuff. How cool is that? Yeah, let's do it. Alrighty. Uh, any final thoughts? Uh, do what thou wilt. Uh, also, uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, like I said last time, uh, next uh, next week we're going to be doing an episode on the uh, on another fucking crazy cult leader uh, that I think there's a little bit of overlap between Mr. Crowley and him. Uh, as far as uh, our normal credits, we want to thank uh, Julia Marie uh, Artistry for the artwork uh, and our cover photo. You can find more of her work at Instagram.com slash Julia Marie Artistry. Uh, and as well, uh, Homesick Entertainment, like we said earlier, uh, did our uh, intro, mid-roll, and outro. Uh, you can find them at YouTube.com slash Homesick. Um, uh, all links in the description, of course. Uh, Taz, where, we can, where can we find your stuff? Uh, nah. What? <laughs> nah. Just All right. don't. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Yeah, uh, don't refer to him. You can yeah. find me on Twitter at Wanna Toothpick with no K. And I'm Zaphael on Twitter. Um, links are always in the description. Follow us at, uh, at Tangent Avenue if you want to get updates on the show. And I'm proud of you for remembering our handle. Yeah, thank you. I mean, I've got it directly in front of me, so it's falling on deaf ears. <laughs> Alrighty. Alright, and remember, everybody, do what thou wilt, and have a good night. Adios. Adios.